Maps Black, also known as Maps Aesthetic, is now available at mindpumpmedia.com. Get it now. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. You know what I hate about uh, medical marijuana? Almost the nothing. chronic, yo. Almost nothing, but this is what I really don't like about it. They the names. Well, because I fucking hate the names. It doesn't dead. sound like medicine. It sounds like that's a going, fucking stoner. Just so you know, yeah. okay, that's going to change. Yeah, that will change. Oh, of course, don't think the government doesn't have a bajillion patents already for a reason on all the different strains it's and the, the names. Fruity Pebbles blend, bro. And what they will do is they it will because they know that they know that right now. And that was one of the things we battled with when we were putting these things on our shelves, and we we're just like, and all the names were just like. Oh, they were named by drug dealers. So, yeah. Of course, they were like, you know, Fruity Pebbles and names. Like, that oh, like, you, oh, oh, Mrs. Johnson, you're going through chemotherapy and, and you have pain. Yeah. No problem. You should try Girl Scout cookies. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, uh, that's the name of a strain. Yeah, I didn't even make that right. up. And in the middle of the day, yeah. you should have some green crack because that would be good for you. That arthritis. Yeah, no. You actually just named one of my favorite strains. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm not even joking. Great strain. I Okay, so here's. We actually used to call it in the club Dream Queen is the other name for it because really? yeah, it's the more politically correct. So name. what's the Snoop Dogg one? I know nothing about this, by the way. Wow. Is that so it's you know, it's so funny that you say that. So when we were running the cannabis clubs and we picked up on uh how whatever was new, right? So girls you named Girl Scout Cookies. Girl Scout Cookies was dropped uh was was dropped at Green Door in San Francisco by a rapper. It's part of the reason why it became so explosive. Um, and it is, it's a very popular strain. It's, uh, it smells amazing and tastes amazing. It looks amazing. And then of course, a rapper is the first one to release it and it gets released in San Francisco. It explodes all over the country. And that's probably one of the most sought after strains right now. So all strains kind of have this pattern at one time. Somebody, somebody of, of, of a big stature comes out with it, puts their name on it somehow, and then it goes. And that's kind of the thing that happens in the rap industry right now is big rappers, like you said, Snoop Dogg. So we picked up on this. This mind pump should have a strain. <laughs> the first expand your mind. The first the second part. Yeah, the first cannabis strain to build your biceps. <laughs> I uh, no, I I like Lower the biceps. I like the pure. I, I tend to like the pure strains, the old strains. Like one of the the, the strain that I was using uh, the night that I started coming up with some of these concepts for some of our programs, like Maps Maps Anabolic, was uh, Jack Herrera. Jack Herrera has been around for a long time. There's a lot of strains crossed with that, but that's right. a classic sativa named after a person, named after a person, <laughs> named yeah. after a person. That, that should be an Adam Schaefer strain. <laughs> well, we used to we so we caught on to this. The Einstein and as as vendors, as people that used to uh, used to uh, yeah. pick the stuff, we would start naming the strains. You and did? yeah, yeah. In fact, did I remember. Did you come up with some names that are around right now? Yeah, yeah, probably. I don't know. Who knows? I you you guys might know better than I know now. But so we named a strain one time, and I remember that I, I picked up on this trend. And of course, you know, for us, this even though it was you know medical marijuana it was a canvas club, it, we, for us, we still cared about numbers and revenue. Let's be real. Uh, and one of the things that we we figured out was that this this was this trend. So I remember. We had actually just got some purple cushion, which has been around forever. Purple cushion, um, but it was just very exotic looking. It was just it was some whoever grew it just w- was blend. amazing. It had just great, great nose on it. It was beautifully grown. That stuff's too strong for Ta- me. It was the the TH levels on it were the THC levels on it were extremely high in comparison to most of the purple cushion that came across our way. So I, I looked at my my partner at the time, Mark, and I said, "Man, we've got to we got to name this different, man." I said, "You know what's perfect? Snoop Dogg just dropped that song right now called Purple Rain." And it's a popular it's a, it's a popular song right now. So oh, let's excuse us, we're making money right so now. So let's <laughs> whose phone is on, dude? Yeah, sorry, is that you asshole? Yeah, sorry. So we named the strain this Purple Rain. Money. Purple and Rain. Purple Rain. That's yeah. Prince. Yeah. No, yeah. there was there's a there's that a Snoop Dogg song that came out about six years ago that was called Really? Prince. Yeah, yeah. That's, so, that just goes to show you where my, like my, my music. Yeah, and it was literally like he just dropped it, so it was perfect timing. Obviously, if we waited, I'm sure somebody else would have figured out with the same same Purple idea. Rain. But it became known Purple within the rain. whole area, at least in the Bay and all the, amongst the clubs, because I knew all the owners and stuff, that everybody was seeking out this Purple Rain. And it was funny, because then I started seeing other clubs come up with it, and I knew that <laughs> all of it's bullshit. I made the strain up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like it was just some good ass purple Kush, but nice. because it was fire, it was different looking. People, uh, it went all over the place. So. And there you go. Let it go. Let it let grow. It let go, it go. Let it grow. Whoa. Whoa. Let it go down Dude. to your throat. Dude, I think uh, I think your song summoned yeah. the great eagle. <gasps> oh. 
That's it. Ah! The great I want to compete with it. The, ah! the great eagle of the quaw. Our no. first question is from Angelica Marrier. Exercises or stretches to correct lower cross syndrome. Mm, lower cross syndrome. That's yeah. what the second most common yeah. uh, postural deviation. Anterior pelvic tilt. Yeah. Right. So, so you have your upper cross syndrome. We've talked about that a million times. Lower cross syndrome, uh, anterior pelvic tilt. Or what Sal would call the uh, high heel syndrome. Mm, yeah. Ah, yes. It's fu- well, lower cross also can can demonstrate itself with yeah, some- looks you know, great, but not good for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. It's kind of what- yeah. Just yeah, on my Oopsies. <laughs> so an, an anterior pelvic tilt is when the pelvis tilts so that the top of it tilts forward and the, ba- the bottom of it tilts back, and it makes your butt stick out. So you have like this- Real strong arch in your lower back. And so you see a lot of yeah, girls on I Instagram pose this way. That's part of lower cross syndrome, but then it can also increase thoracic curve of the upper back and can contribute to things like forward neck. So picture your typical person sitting at the computer. Um, that lower cross can contribute toward to that, uh, you know, that, that, that excessive thoracic curve. So what are some of the characteristics of this? Uh, well, the lower back is shortened, so they're typically tight, tight erector spinae. Because the pelvis is tilted forward, you have tight hip flexors, in particular, the iliopsoas muscle, mm-hmm. which, by the way, uh, the, a good chunk of people who have back pain is not from hurting their back. It's from having a pulled psoas muscle. Or, yeah, over, over, overtrained or a also sciatica is very common with that. Almost everybody right. I've ever had that have sci- uh, sciatic nerve issues because the sciatic nerve runs through the psoas. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. well you, have the, you have the piriformis that sits right on top of it. And the psoas, when it's tight. Which it, is always tight on top of all this. All of it. When the psoas is tight, it pulls you into this anterior pelvic tilt. But people think, like, why would it hurt at my back if it's a hip flexor? And that's because this hip flexor attaches, of, of course, you know, uh, where your quad is or something, you know, right, right, the mid thigh goes through the body and attaches at the spine, at the lower mm-hmm. back. So when it's tight, it feels like lower back yeah, pain. It goes right through your hips. Super common. And then on the opposite side, so you have the tight low back, the erector spinae, tight psoas. The core is typically weak, in particular the abs and obliques. And so here comes a problem. When you're trying to correct this, you want to do core strengthening exercises. You want to strengthen the weak muscles. But here's the problem. If it's if your psoas is overactive, every time you do a core exercise, guess what you're doing? Right. You're working your psoas. You're, you're actually strengthening the imbalance. Mm-hmm. So here's an exercise that I like to, to teach people to strengthen their core without getting their psoas even more tight. Um, what you want to do is you want to inhibit the psoas muscles or the, the hip flexor muscles. And the way you do that is by activating the opposing muscle. Uh, it's called reciprocal inhibition. So I want to activate the glutes. When the glutes and hamstrings activate, yep. the psoas naturally relaxes, and then I do crunches. And so one thing that I'll do is I'll have someone put their heels up on something, elevate their hips a little bit, squeeze their glutes, yep. and then while squeezing their glutes, do crunches, and then you get a stronger like a hip core. bridge. Yeah, like we, we mentioned that too, like with the ball. Like it really just focusing more on getting that glute activation when you're yeah. going for your, yeah, for your crunch makes a world of difference. Otherwise, you're just contributing to that, like uh, over that wrong pattern, that wrong signal that you're sending. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about muscle imbalances is if you don't know how to change the recruitment pattern for the exercise, you might even pick the right exercises. But yes. the the it's going to just strengthen the imbalance. This is also how this is an exercise that I think also uh, took a whole new shape and form when uh, social media got a hold of it because we know that what we're trying to do, like you said, you're trying to relax those hip flexor muscles and you're trying to engage the glutes. So like a floor bridge is just an awesome exercise yes. for that. Yes, and that's something that we all would use when you we had a, if we had a condition like this. Mm-hmm. And you see it all over Instagram flooded like crazy where like all these girls are doing all the, this, doing these, you know, uh, floor bridges like crazy where they're stacking the barbells on it super heavy weight. And it becomes because they know that your glutes are having to activate or that it does work your glutes. It is kind of almost an isolation mo- uh, movement. So they start focusing all on that. But in reality, like they're still squatting is still going to build that better ass for you. Then doing just your 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 floor bridges. Well. Yeah, and just like just like I talked about with uh, activating the glutes to work the core, uh, the the floor bridges are not the best exercise to build your glutes. Mm. However, they will teach you how to fire your glutes right. so that when you do do the big, you know, movements that yes. have the big, ba- yeah, it's, you know, a, it's more of a teaching exercise. Correct. Really, yeah, to get correct. that signal established in in that pattern established. Absolutely. So I mean, really, when I have clients with lower cross syndrome, which is more than half of the people I see will have it. Sometimes I see a posterior pelvic tilt, but most of the time it's anterior. 
Uh, it's about strengthening the core. It's so rare to see a, a posterior pelvic, I mean, anterior pelvic tilt or posterior pelvic tilt. Right. Is there forward? Have you seen it? When you see someone, it's, I have, it's weird. It's very weird. It, yeah. it looks like almost like someone's pregnant all the way from all the way down. Uh, in, oh, and their butt is tucked. Like yeah, it's all yeah. Tucked, yeah. Yeah. It looks like a frog in, uh, in, um, whatchamacallit pants. And, yeah. No, uh, the anterior is more common. Probably because I wonder if it's because we sit down so much too. You know what I mean? So the hip flexors are always short. So when you stand up, it's like pulls your right into anterior toe. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. And then high heels, like you said. And uh, your ham, and your hamstrings are shortened, which is pulling the other way. So mm-hmm, it's yeah. definitely what causes, causes that. Yeah. So, you know, strengthen the core, strengthen the glute. Um, learn how to brace your core when you do uh, certain exercises that load your spine. Mm-hmm. For example, if I'm having someone do a cable row, but they have a really strong or really bad, I should say, uh, lower cross syndrome, then they'll typically compl- complain to me and be like, oh, I feel that in my lower back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just because they're they're feeling shearing forces on their spine right. because they're in this super hard curve. They haven't learned to stabilize properly. That's yeah. it. That's- I just tell them to brace your core. Just brace right. your core like if I'm going to punch you in the stomach. That's why corrective, yeah, corrective things like going through a phase of just correcting everything is so important because you can really take time to address these things and these particular issues. So uh, when you do go do a row or you do a squat, you know, you're not going to fire in the wrong sequence. Right. We want to make the priority what's intended. So, right. Yeah. You have to go through that. You know, one thing I like to do, too, with people when they do hip bridges who have this particular issue is a lot of times you'll see when they do a hip bridge without them realizing they're creating outside or or their 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 femurs or their knees. Well, just just for layman's term, their knees are trying to separate a little bit, and so they're kind of getting this gluteus medius type of activation by the knees trying to separate. I'll take these people and I'll have I'll, I'll take like a, a rubber ball mm-hmm. or a block, have them squeeze it in between their knees while they hip bridge, yep. and that gets the adductors to activate, and then it gets the glute the big gluteus maximus to I also fire. Do that with wall squats. You do the same thing. Yeah. 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 The only See, time I would yeah. not do that is if their knees cave in when I do squats. Then right. I might do the opposite. Right. See, neither one of you addressed uh, the hamstrings, and I would have. I for most certainly will. This is where I love to teach someone deadlifting, because their their hamstrings being in the seated position most of the time. That's also Just like the hip hinging movement. Yes, exactly. Not all. only their their hamstrings are extremely shortened, so mm-hmm. a deadlift exercise is a beautiful exercise to take them through full range of motion. So I'm going a lighter weight so I can teach them to take that muscle through full range of motion, stretch out that hamstring that's been shortened for being seated all day long. Yeah. And then I'm practicing a hip hingement movement and teaching you how to properly fire those glutes. So yeah, I feel like you get a lot of great bang for your buck and benefit on taking somebody who has got this condition, lower cross syndrome, and teaching them a proper deadlift. You know what I see in women a lot mm-hmm. of times with this uh, because of the heels? More than I see tight hamstrings in women, I actually see tight gastrocs yeah. uh, more commonly, which will feel like t- you know tight gastrocs, which is the big part of your calf. If those are really tight, by the way, that flexes your knee. Yeah, it's going to pull your heels off the ground. Yeah, and it's going to pull your heels off the ground. Shoot your feet open. It'll shoot your feet open, but also it'll contribute to uh, changes all the way up the chain to the lumbopelvic hip area or the pelvis. So with those with with women when I train like that, I have them train with me either barefoot or with very flat shoes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have to do static stretching on their calves before we do anything because I need to weaken the hell out of them or loosen them up before we do anything else. So well, and yeah. that's an example of somebody that would benefit from the squat shoes, which we talked about before. Also, to, to, just to get them into position, but before if they're really tight, man, I'm trying to loosen them up. Before, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, the squat shoes would be crutching the issue. It yeah, would be, it would be the first progression I think before you get to that. Yes, sir. Yeah, very very good. Alex Felix is uh, a fighter, and he's heard that a strong neck provides protection. He's asking if that's true, and also how to strengthen the neck. Oh, this is to protect you from getting from knocked getting out. From getting knocked out is what. Yeah, that was the other part of the question, yeah. right? Well, I, I would put it this way: uh, let's let's think of the reverse. You're going to get punched in the head, and you have a super weak, flimsy neck. Do you think that will increase your chance of getting knocked out? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> More so chance the, for that brain to rattle around that skull. Exactly. So so the opposite's got to be true. Having a stronger neck should uh, be more of a shock absorber. Because what knocks you out um, when you get hit in the head is your brain kind of short circuits. And what they've identified that causes the knockout is the two hemispheres twisting. And it's that corpus callosum, that connection between the two, that short circuits. The brain can't communicate the, the, the two hemispheres. Someone gets knocked out. That's why when you hit someone in the chin, that's like the it's best like on place. on the side of the chin, right? A little bit. Oh, that's the best yeah. place to knock someone out because it causes that twisting motion in the head. It's also the longest part of the lever. So if you look at right. the brain at the top of the head, the, the furthest point is the chin. So whatever force you hit on the chin is going to generate that much more twisting force on the all the way up in the brain. 
Um, so it's that jarring, shaking, twisting motion. Which, geez, if you have a strong neck, uh, that's gotta that's gotta help. Yeah, to not get yeah, knocked be out. Able to stabilize your head. Yeah. You know, too. On top of that, and I guess I mean, is he asking like if what? he should like focus specifically on neck exercise? Yeah, as you know? yeah. that's where I think because, he's asked, is wanting to know. Like, I mean, there's a lot of ways to do that too, and there's also like, well, you, you must know, have done a shit ton of football, and, right? Yeah, especially yeah. rugby. But, I mean, just wearing a helmet. Like, think about that as far as frequency goes. Like that. So just wear a helmet. <laughs> just wear a helmet, man. Just wear a helmet. I'm just trying to tell you that's how you build next. Yeah, so as you're going through your maps red frequency. program, I'd like to see a big, big that's 49er your focus helmet session, on your- dude. <laughs> Heavy ass helmet with concrete on it, bro. Yeah, yeah. Done, no, it's, done and done. You're, you're, let me totally ask you, start a trend. Let me ask you this, Justin. When you <laughs> it wouldn't be a bad when you yeah, would play football. Actually, yeah, when you look at the science yeah, yeah, it, it's yeah, actually yeah. true. Yeah. You look like a dark, hey, hey, no, actually, you know what? Big mind How about this? If you were if you were in my <laughs> yeah, gym, we should give him a and I saw you wearing a full blown football helmet because, <laughs> yeah. I, and then I walked over and you answered me with that. I was like, God, this kid like, is this fucking smart. Yeah, smart. You're on top of it. You were a lot smarter than the guy wearing that fucking mask over there. That's for damn sure. The bane mask. Well, I do. We use rubber bands. Too, some purpose so, anyway get you would back do it, on track, let yeah. me ask you this when you would when you would get into a season and start wearing a helmet would your neck get sore just from carrying that neck did you notice that in your yeah the transition of yeah. going from not to the to yeah. helmet oh for sure yeah that's wow. why they make you I mean in, in football you have t- to if you take your helmet off you get punched yeah they make you wear it in practice yeah. so that part of that is to get used to that right I mean yeah. imagine that's the I think that, I don't know whether the coaches know it or not that's probably yeah. the science behind it oh yeah exactly exactly <laughs> it's not really known but that's that's exactly why you know we call it like building your shell and, and in a sense, too, you also have to get used to the impact because you don't just collide into people on a daily basis like normally. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, you definitely have to like adjust to that and uh, all that's part of it. But but carrying just like the minute amount of extra weight, like constantly, it, it makes a difference. Yeah. I mean, th- look, if you want to look at exercises for the neck, just look at the function of the neck. Um, it flexes forward, it flexes, it extends back, yeah. and it goes laterally. Like if I'm bringing my ear, you know, to my right shoulder, or bringing my left ear to my left shoulder, it also twists. Um, so those are all, you know, motions of the neck. And so strengthening those, and I would say focus. You don't want to necessarily do twisting with uh, with weight, but you definitely want to go flex, well, extend, and go laterally. Um, you know, I I grappled for a long time. Um, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I did judo. I did a little bit of wrestling, right. and we would do you know neck bridges like crazy. Just and- being in a clinch too, and was doing Muay Thai, you mm-hmm. know, like that. And yeah, and also wanted to elaborate too. We had actually drills that we would do with partners where you would push your head down into his hands, and he would resist. And oh, like isometric know, left, stuff, right? Exactly. So that was a another good tool that we did like constantly to prep for. Uh, you know, having a helmet and strengthening our neck. You know what? Not enough is said about the neck. Like, if you see somebody wearing any kind of clothes, you can tell that they're, they're probably a strong motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Well, if they've got a well-developed neck. Who's a perfect example of that of our friends? Craig. Fucking yeah. Craig. Yeah. Craig's too yeah. crazy. He's got like a 20-inch neck. Uh, dude, he's, he's all neck, dude. He's a yeah. crazy massive neck, yeah. man. And it's it, you just see, he could be wearing a long sleeve sweater and just by his neck sticking out, you're like, this motherfucker's <laughs> jacked into that. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. guy yeah. lifts some yeah. weight, dude. Yeah. He can lift some weight. The thing about the neck, too, is the neck responds really, really well to frequency. Um, like most muscles, but the neck in particular, like you do a little bit every day and it'll just build. The neck responds pretty well to exercise, but here's the deal. When you first start training your neck, please go easy and be yes, careful yes, because yes. I learned this lesson the hard way, man. I bought one of those harnesses and I went heavy oh, and man. I was fucked. Dude. It, you know, as much as it sucks to have a really fucking sore neck. It's Dude. just horrible. Well, just, your life sucks. Just thinking about this, up until that point in your life or most people's life, no one has ever strapped a harness on their head and ever lifted more than any pounds. Besides sex, so, besides for sex, there was nothing else. Yeah, there, right. Ever. But no, really, <laughs> think about that. So literally, doing if you were going to be crazy enough to do an exercise like that and put some weight on you, the very first time you do it, five to ten reps once or twice and you were oh. done. You know what I'm saying? There is no reason to do any more on that neck because it has never seen that before. And that goes back to understanding pro. Program design oh, and, and get back into heavy metal and start headbanging a lot. <laughs> yeah, right? It totally works. There you go. Josiah Bayak is asking, how do you know if you are under-training? Oh, that's a great question. Oh, you know, he, it was longer than yeah, that, we, though. Let me read that. He had a, he actually, that was like the short version for Doug, because I, I like this question. It says, hey, guys, I was wondering, how do you know if, you want, <clears throat> if you're underworking the body or not pushing hard enough? Some of my re- He's a trainer. Some of my recently acquired clients have obtained <clears throat> that I have obtained have been working with me and saying the workouts are a bit too easy. But since I'm still relatively new to training, it's hard to gauge their progress since not much time has passed yet from training. 
it's tough because some appointments I have to assess and do first time workouts with different people, but many are gym rats and have not bought training because of the way I train. After listening to you guys for a while, I always try to let people know not to overtrain, but it's been a tough selling. Please help. Mm. Mm. I, you know, I feel for this guy because we all we all talk about when we were in the training industry and selling personal training on a regular basis, like for a big company, um, that we our mentality, our mindset, our knowledge nowhere near where it is now. And we probably fell victim to a lot of the, all of this bullshit and, and fed into it. And this is a, a situation that we've really never had to deal with ourselves. So that's kind of challenging when we I was probably a trainer that was feeding right into that where I kick my client's ass, you know, and that, get after him and stuff. It's not till now where where I, I get it. And I understand. And now I have this confidence level with clients where and I have a waiting list. So it's very easy to be that guy. Right. right? I'm, I don't know what it's like to be building my business and trying to that's obtain, interesting to think about. Yeah. yeah I mean, think about that. I mean, I know I for me. I can't honestly say that I I've had gone through. There was an evolution that you you went through personally as a trainer, and like um, like you said, like there was a beginning of it where y- you did you wanted to hook them on working out and like making it fun and uh, you know entertaining on some level, and to do that, um, a lot of a lot of expectations came with that, like with what they were expecting. So a lot of times the feedback you get from a person is that they want it a little bit more intense. Like they, they want to really be able to sweat and, and get pushed and, and they expect to sweat. So they, they, they obviously are looking for some kind of cardio element in there and like you just sticking with strength is a hard sell. And so, you know, the, a lot of that is like things you have to kind of work through with your knowledge base and uh, already starting with that higher of a knowledge base, um, I mean, th- that's awesome. That's going to take you like so much further, uh, to know that at this level already. Right. Uh, but yeah, it is a hard sell, man. I'm well, not going to lie. Here's the deal. Uh, you need, first of all, you need to know how to uh, inform your clients. You have to educate them. They don't know. Yeah. Clients, their concept of right. an effective workout is based off of how sore they get and how hard they got beat up. And you can talk to anybody who doesn't know anything about exercise and you they will judge the workout by how hard it was. Like, oh my God, I had a great workout. I could barely move afterwards or I was dying. I couldn't breathe. And they'll almost brag about it as if it was more effective because they beat themselves up. They just don't know any better. So rule number one as a trainer, Mm -hmm. if you're going to train people properly, you're going against a lot of the bullshit in fitness. So you need to know your shit. You're going to have to get educated real quick. And know how to present it, explain it to them. But here's the thing. It's not going to take you that long to convince them because then they're going to start progressing. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, every single client I've ever had that was like, you know, really wants to work out hard and get great results right away. Uh, I have to like kind of close them for about a month of training while I'm training them. And then after that month, I never have to, I never have to talk to them about it again. It's remaining true and, and having that confidence like already. So you just really have to like internalize this, this confidence that you're doing the right thing and uh, you know, hold strong to that when they will fight back and they'll push back a little bit Mm -hmm. initially because they have this expectation of what they want and you're not providing what they initially wanted but then like sal said they're gonna stick through it they're gonna see you know awesome results and that's it and then you'll yeah. have to never have to commit yeah, you, don't have to, you don't have to say but anything uh, again under, under training and overtraining do have something in common uh they have one symptom in common and that is uh they're not progressing yeah. so you can undertrain, you won't progress you could overtrain, you won't progress but the difference is in the symptoms of overtraining when those are not present with undertraining, uh, actually, okay, let's let's take it back. So you're not responding, however, uh, fatigued, um, burnt out, lower energy, uh, can't sleep. They're not sleeping that well. Classic signs of overtraining and not progressing. You know they're overtrained. If none of those other signs are there, but they're not progressing, if everything's great and they're like whatever, and I'm not progressing, then you may be undertraining them. However, the op- the, the overtraining parts more common yeah, than undertraining. So- I, I really wanted to take this question because one, I, I when I was reading it, I thought about wow, you know, I have never, I haven't been in this situation because by the time we had really figured it out, we were already coaching and teaching others on how to do this right. But I do remember uh, a lot of what I've taught the the trainers that I've helped develop, even though I haven't gone through it myself. And so here's one of the things that I, I would use this analogy of: Do you remember in uh, the movie Days of Thunder? 
where uh, Tom Cruise and him are debating over how to do run his laps, and he keeps telling him, "You do okay." Then finally, he he breaks down. They 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 have a big fight about who knows more or less about the car and all this shit. And I want to do things my way because I'm the driver. And he's telling him, "Oh, you need to do this with the car, and you got to learn to feel the car and do this." And and he's just like, "I just want to fucking drive and drive it as hard as fast as I can." And so he says, "Okay, you do 50 laps your way, and then we're gonna do 50 laps my way, and then at the end we'll assess who did better." So I would give this analogy to my new trainers and I would say sometimes in the business that we're in, because we are in a service business, these people do pay you for the service. They have a little bit of this leverage on you to where they kind of can tell you what to do, especially when you're brand new and you need the hours and you need the money. So there is a part of you that has to kind of find a creative way to still service them and and then give them what they want. But initially, you also need to learn that they are just unaware right now and you need to learn Mm -hmm. to make them aware. And sometimes making them aware is allowing them to think that they're in control of the driver's seat when ultimately you know where this body is going. You know what they need best for them. So letting them kind of think they're guiding and telling you what to really do, but really in in turn, you know how stubborn they are and they're not going to listen to what you want. So you kind of allow them to to dictate these programs you design them and then after you after they don't see the progression they want to or they get stumped or their results will eventually because they do eventually will slow up and then they'll be like they they'll be frustrated and you'll say okay remember when i told you that this is how i want to start this is the reason why cuz guess where we're at now and guess what our options are now and you kind of teach them through the process mm-hmm. so uh I think that can be a little bit easier sometimes than, especially when you're new, than being being so headstrong that this is the smartest way. I'm the trainer. When you have that confidence level, you know, and the three of us ease, say that with such ease because, of course, we got fucking 15 plus years. But I guarantee that three of us would not have said that 15 years ago. 15 years ago, I would be so concerned about keeping the business and the money that I would figure a way out that how do I appease this client Mm -hmm. so I can keep them because ultimately that was my goal because that was my business. But then I, of course, want to get them the results even if I believe that there was a better way. So learning to that juggle where you're at in your career right now is very challenging. Like Justin said, boy, are you ahead of the game. The fact that you know that you were already ahead of where we were at in that situation so that you've already got a leg up. Now you just kind of learn a creative way to make them aware that they don't know. Well, I can tell you right now, this guy, how, whatever clients he does get, they're going to stay with him way longer. Word will spread. Yeah, than the clients that yep. the other trainers will get. Because when you get trainers that hammer people all the time, their clients come and go. They, they, they cycle through every three, six months. Mm-hmm. When you train people properly, they stay with you uh, for years, years. and years. For years. But you know, you, you, you said something uh, very valuable, Adam, about confidence. And this, I'll say this to new trainers right now. Uh, fake it. Fake your confidence. You might not be confident because you're new, but let me tell you something. That person hired you for a reason. They hired you because they want to put themselves in your hands. Mm -hmm. And if you're debating them, at least do it with good confidence. Now, you didn't have good information to back you up, but you need to say things like, I'm the trainer, trust me, or let's do it my way. Let me prove to you uh, that I'm right, or let me show you how this works, or I know it doesn't seem the way you want it to seem, but you need to trust me. Trust in the process. People like to hear that shit when they hire trainers. It's actually quite effective, so- Fake it. I got this. Yeah, fake it. I use that all the time. <laughs> w. Kemp is asking about your opinion on the ideal percentage of dietary fat. Mm. Mm. Kip's a smart guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it depends on the, I mean, God, it depends on the person. I, for me, an ideal percentage of dietary fat is very, very high compared to, you know, other people. I, I, I typically will eat, you know, the few times I have tracked, I'm at, I'm between 60 to 70% of my calories come from fat. Uh, there are many days where it's, it's higher than 70%. So I eat more of a ketogenic style you know, diet where it's very, very high fat, very, very low carbohydrate, and my protein is relatively kind of low to moderate. Um, but that works great for me. I know people that that doesn't work great for them. I, I, I mean, my only, the only thing I could say with this is the ideal percentage of dietary fat. I mean, you need to have essential fat intake. You can't get around that. But then after that, it's got to be individual. I know you guys are different. Well, I I really wanted to talk about this because I do know you. I do know what Justin's doing. I'm aware of what I'm doing. And I also know what I've been doing with my clients uh, that were interested in kind of playing with ketogenic. And one of the things that is completely different for me, uh, and and I'm pretty sure all of us are the same way with this, is that my fat intake, uh, even though I am not ketogenic, um, my fat intake is extremely higher than it's ever been in my entire life. Well, because you went the ketogenic yeah. route and you saw Well, I could it. totally, yeah, the same exact thing on my end as well. Like, I just noticed that, um, you know, just going through that, that I was not consuming that much fat. 
and it was very apparent to me how much better I felt when I was doing that. So it's like just naturally, like if I went back and I'm balancing it out, like that was a higher percentage for sure. Well, because this is what happened to us. You know, uh, we were taught uh, early on and at least in our era of coming through. Uh, in the fitness world that, you know, it was low fat diets, you know, mm-hmm. we were during that, you know, stay oh, clean of, eating is low fat, right? Yeah. Clean eat, I and, eat clean. And all the scares of cholesterol and heart disease and everything was going around. And then they were chicken, lean chicken breasts all day. I couldn't right? have any of the fatty stuff. So I, 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 and I, I used to tell clients this not that long ago when they'd ask me about, you know, avocado or peanut butter or, mm-hmm. you know, healthy fats like that. And I'd be like, listen, ranch dressing, there is oh plenty of fat. In all the foods that you already eat, there's no need for you to go be looking for fat. You used fat. to tell people that. I used to tell people yeah, that. I mm-hmm. And crazy. I used to eat that way myself. I know. I was always dodging fat because I was trying to keep my caloric intake as low as possible. I More was, croutons, please. <laughs> but, you know, hold that cheese. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. So I, I was. I was, I, was, I was totally imbalanced. And I didn't realize how much I was imbalanced. You know, and this is years I was years and years I've been eating this way till I went ketogenic when I decided to go the other extreme, which I am once again, not a huge fan of ketogenic, either 100 percent keto, even though it has I saw all kinds of huge benefits from it. And it made me realize, holy shit, am I under eating fat? Because like Justin said, I started to know my inflammation come down, my energy levels. Yes. I was satiated and holy shit, I was leaning out. I wasn't putting weight on. Yeah. Because even myself, as much as I understand the science, as much as I could preach it all day long, that you just think in your head because you're eating all this fat, you must be consuming tons and tons of extra calories. But in reality, you know, because I'm so satiated, my my appetite control was crazy. So now I run a a probably fifty five to sixty five percent fat intake um, in in my day, and then I use then protein is moderate, and then carbohydrates makes up the other. Where I used to be a four hundred to six hundred gram carb a day eater, where now a high day is like a hundred and fifty, and you feel better, and I feel fine. And I used to say that as soon as I for when I get ready for a show, I would never go less than one hundred fifty grams. I remember so, you telling us because yeah. as soon as I drop down to a hundred, oh my god, headaches, dizzy, lightheaded, just feel miserable. So I would never. I know I, there was no need for me to push that far the body. So. I, so I always stayed above 150. Well, now to go a day and be like, and then think, wait a second, I've only, shit, I've only had like 50 grams today and I feel fantastic. But that's because I've made it a point now to eat much higher fat. Well, dude, the brainwashing oh. was so strong that it even brainwashed us. And we are so, you know, we pride ourselves on being open. Mm-hmm. Let me put it this way. If you ask the average fitness person, what is healthier, a skinless chicken breast or a chicken thigh with skin on it? I guarantee you- yeah. Nine out of 10 of them will say the chicken breast. Breast all day. The reality is there's more nutrients and more benefit to the thigh with skin on it than there is to the skinless chicken breast. I'll ask another question. Which which is better if you're trying to be fit and healthy? The egg white or the egg yolk? Right. Everybody will say egg white. Uh, wrong Mine's answer. Only please. The yolk has far more. It's got it, both are nutritious, but the yolk is far more nutritious. Plus, it has essential fat in it, mm-hmm. and it's got some you know certain nutrients in it that you don't necessarily find in white or you don't find in, in, in high amounts. The yolk, if you're going to throw anything away, you throw the white away. Now you should eat the whole egg, but my point is that fat has been demonized for so long because of poor, faulty science. Because of mainly because of one study by a doctor, you know, years ago, decades ago, who they called it the seven countries study. And he took all this data and cherry picked the countries he wanted to and correlated low, low fat intake with better health. But the problem is, is that if you included all the countries in the study, there's no correlation. Do you understand how yeah. fucked up this still is, though? That Dude, so- it caused the obesity well, epidemic, it caused yes. diabetes to explode. This. This policy, this government policy of low fat is one of the, it is the number one contributing factor to the poor chronic health of America. There's lots of factors there, okay? But that right there has fucked us up more than- Are you ready for this one? So this just happened. Lowered activity. This just happened. So I've got a client right now. She's She's on her 12th or 13th day now of ketogenic. She does my hair. She's cutting my hair uh, last week. She's cutting my hair and she's she's telling me that she's all freaked out about what I'm teaching her and showing her because, you know, she feels like if I'm eating all this fat, I'm going to get fat. And isn't this bad for my heart? And I was sharing what the, the diet that we were following right now. And a doctor was getting his hair cut next to me. He overheard me and he, he was waiting to talk to me afterwards because he was so concerned 
that I was eating this way, that it was extremely dangerous for my health and that my cholesterol levels. The doctor were, the came do- up to you? Just, oh, to, not to me, to her. Oh, to her. And, tol- and oh. told her all this. So that's why she called me and was concerned and was like, and I was like, motherfucker, wow. dude, yeah. I'm still battling doctors right now that are still outdated science that you would actually tell a person that, that, oh, if she's doing that, she's going to raise well, her, that's, her. That's sad. Well, to be dude. fair, to be fair, I train a lot of doctors and the guy, the people that I no, train. There's a lot of good ones that, that know this. It's not, it's not like, this isn't like groundbreaking recent uh, no. news. By the way, a lot of this science has been coming out for a little while now. Most doctors, I'd say, would say, okay, if you ate a higher fat diet with you know whole natural foods with you know low in, in, low in carbohydrates and sugars, you're going to be your, your health parameters are going to are going to be better. The thing is with the medical community is they've been taught to focus so heavily on cholesterol, and first it was the total cholesterol number, then they finally broke it down into the two types the the quote unquote bad and and, and and good. But they but what a lot of people don't realize is that bad cholesterol that LDL actually can be broken down into more subtypes. There's the the type A and type E. One is the one is the bad bad cholesterol. So the 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 small dense particles of LDL which are inflammatory. And then there's the big fluffy ones that are protective. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm eating, for example, a, a diet high in saturated fat from, let's say, coconut oil or from you know grass fed meat or whatever, my LDL number will go up. Uh, many times it will go up. However, when they do further examination, they find that the LDL particles have changed from the small, dense ones to the bigger, fluffier ones. And so, in reality, you're, you're, you've changed. You've given yourself a, a more favorable hmm. cholesterol number. But let's also consider this: cholesterol is one small, uh, you know, thing to look at amongst this huge right. sea of information. Well, and, and dietary cholesterol versus hereditary, like there's a big difference there as well. Like there's really a small percentage you can even get from dietary cholesterol. There is, but even just saturated fat, because saturated fat yeah. will raise, and high high fat diet, uh, in particular saturated fat, will raise cholesterol for some people. But why is the medical community so focused on cholesterol? Because it's one of the they parameters. It. Yeah, it's one of the parameters you could give someone a drug to change. So, uh, and they're finding now. There's a once another study just came out. Uh, a huge uh, analysis of over nine thousand people, and it was randomized. So it was like one of the, these, like uh, it's like one of the studies that are, you know, uh, you know, peer reviewed, and people will say, okay, this is a good study. And what they did was, is they they took some people and they had them reduce their saturated fat intake and increase their polyunsaturated uh, fat intake, and uh, they indeed had lower cholesterol. However, when you analyze the data, they weren't healthier. In reality, it trended towards worse health. They actually had worse health. Part of the reason is because they replaced saturated fats with corn oil, mm. which, you know, those types of fats are highly, you know, they oxidize at, you know, high rates and they're not very good for you. They're inflammatory, but their cholesterol numbers went down. Right. And yet they had worse health. So ideal percentage of dietary fat, probably higher, I would say, than, uh, than you think. It's, it's very individual. However, you got to go based on how you feel. But uh, at the end of the day, the, 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 our advice is always stick to those whole natural foods and don't overeat, and you're probably you're probably going to do okay. Yeah. Josh Dusan is asking, what nuances of the fitness truth truth movement have you picked up on? Oh, that was a long so, one. Wasn't this was a long one. So, uh, you know, have we seen it pick up or evolve over time? He says, talk about the beefs mm. among icons who are calling yeah, others some out, of the drama, who haven't taken the steps toward the light, you know, towards the light. Uh, there's a new direction that apparently Shreds is going, which is making their own certification. Uh, <laughs> I, I did not know this. Uh, there's a growing community of people supporting truth. Possible wait, reactions. Wait, 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 rewind. Yeah. Shreds is creating a certification. I don't know. Did you know about this? Is that real? No, I haven't heard that yet. I don't want to comment on it because I don't know about it, Whoa. but I can say this. Can <laughs> I please do that? I, no, I will I will hunt for these cert- people. I would, like, oh, Shreds certified. Yeah, I would not get certified through Shreds, oh personally. I, I don't know anything God. about it. I'm just saying. I don't know anything about it either. Sir, yeah, yeah, no. I'm going to be like, no, no comment here other than, really? <laughs> if I had to choose between a CrossFit level one, sir, <laughs> or CrossFit. All CrossFit all day. 100% CrossFit. You heard from us. Yeah. We promote day. CrossFit this one time. Dude, I will say this, dude. Uh, you know, maybe it's due to to some of the stuff we've been saying on this podcast because we have had some pretty good growth. But I don't remember seeing muscular ripped people talk about things like gut health. I don't remember anybody in in our industry or talking about that in general. And now yeah. I'm seeing people talk about gut health if, if from the muscle building world, yeah. which to me didn't happen before. Well, I told you recently that I've been getting these DMs of people tagging me on you know 
big celebrity names, fitness icons like we're talking about that are, you know, talking about this health and fitness and wellness. Micro, yeah, wellness, microbiome talk and stuff, you know, getting into <laughs> shit that I'm like, and I, and I'm, I know who they are. Like, like and, hmm. yeah. And I'm like, and I, and I know what they were posting about just like a month ago. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, yeah. oh, that's cool. They're probably listening to Mind Pump. And the people that are showing me are like, that's obviously from you guys. Yeah, that's awesome. That's what I want to see. Yeah. I hope that he is going out and he's listening to Mind Pump. Then he's, and then he's, then he's digging in himself and researching. That's what the whole idea is. And it, and here, and if you've been a, a Mind Pump listener since the beginning, uh, you've probably enjoyed this ride with us because I don't even remember what, it, but it must—it was one of the first ten episodes I talked about shreds, didn't I? It was. Oh, it dude, was, we talked about shreds when they were like they were at the peak. Man. I think like, well, nobody yeah. was talking no, shit. Well, they I were think selling our, shit. Tons our, of supplement, supplements. our supplement episode was like number three or four. Yeah, you know, and and I believe we talked. We had already brought them up as an example of you know bad business and bad you well know, just what, what we don't like in the fitness industry they yeah were like yeah. a prime example they were and then, and we and we really and i think we made it clear later episodes that you know we're not we weren't out to attack a, a company whatsoever because l- let's be honest and this is what's going on now you talk about the beefs you know these big names that are oh, right. going back yeah, and, tell us about that because like I, so this is going on and, and i believe that all of this is backlash from what's happening first shreds okay first from them everyone's calling them out of all the photos i was just gonna say like now like they can't i don't see much positive stuff about them on all on social media they're no. getting blasted from all oh, angles. all angles it was before all you saw was their stuff in your feeds and you're getting tired of all of this and that now it's not they're just everyone is just destroying them it's and it's so bad so what you do see this is what's crazy is shreds goes and actually has Instagram pull those down, cancel those pages. So people are building up pages super fast, talking shit about them. They're getting ripped down, and they're building another one up. Really, and I mean, it's just yep. it's happening that much and that often that you've seen you're seeing them constant, and they're constantly coming down too. So that's what's really crazy about it. Then it's caused. You know, these other big names, of course, you know, because it's it's drama. Well, they, yeah, it's drama. So they get involved and they talk they talk their shit. Ooh. The ironic part is these guys that, that are talking shit are just as fucking guilty of all the same bullshit. Just di- <laughs> different stuff like, motherfucker, you were photoshopping yeah. too. you were you're pushing some supplement you don't fucking take. You know what I'm saying? Like, why are you any different? Just because, throw a match and run because you got they got caught up on the Photoshop and stuff like, dude, I mean here's what I think. I think they're just afraid, dude. I think they're afraid. When we, when we started this podcast, we, our goal was to call people out and to, here's the deal. We hated the direction of the fitness industry. It was, it was dominated by supplements promising you this, that, and the other, and they don't do shit. It was dominated by people who have nothing in common with you telling you how to work out and how to eat right, who have no business talking to you about nutrition or exercise, who are probably going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. It was us getting sick and tired of getting clients who've been damaged because they followed all this bullshit programs. 99% of the information you get in the fitness industry it, from the fitness industry is baloney. There's no science behind it. There's no experience behind it. It's just great. Marketing. Here's a you know, new glute yeah. workout, and I look at it, I'm like, why the fuck did you put this together? This is crazy. And all these exercise equipment that's shit and supplement. It's crazy. So we came out, and that's why we came out with this podcast, calling it out. And shit's starting to change, dude. Well, the fitness industry's starting to shift, and people are yeah. shitting their pants. Just wait. I, I slowly see it, man. Just wait till you guys let me get a hold of the coaching world. We've really held back on a lot of the competing, talking, and this and that because we knew. That that the future is Maps Aesthetic and Maps Black will be out. Maps Black is out. Maps Aesthetic is is out there now. People now know there is a program that you can take that can take you to stage ready because let me tell you, there's a huge fucking problem there too. There is a ton of coaches and and call themselves coaches. Most of them aren't certified even personal trainers. Oh, bro, this uh, just wait. We're going to just... It's it's prime for the picking. I have been keeping my mouth shut for a long (laughs) time about all that stuff (laughs) and I'm telling... Because we didn't have anything to provide yet. We didn't... I can talk shit all day long, but if we I'm want to have do, an answer, if right. I don't have an answer for it, then what good am I? But just somebody who's talking and spreading shit. But now I'll tell you guys right now, 90%, at least 90% of them programs you're following from your coach and your coach's team that thinks he's the shit ain't shit. It is fucking weak. horrible. Weak as fuck. Yeah. Well, that's just they're weak. weak. There's that's no, dangerous. I've very, seen some of this yeah, dangerous. Exactly. Giving people metabolic damage and it's hurting people. And that's why I, you know, I, I that's why I say it so passionately is because it there it's gone to so extreme. I, I don't got no hate on somebody who maybe is just early training years and they're learning program design and they're trying to apply their science and knowledge and they're getting better and better every year. I'm not trying to hate on someone like that. Absolutely not. I'm talking shit about people that are giving out cookie cutter bullshit 
bullshit to all their bikini competitors, all their men's physique guys, all their all looks the same shit with no real science or design behind it or even any care if it's overtraining and going to end up hurting it or like you said, sending them into medical. What about medical. their diet? What about the diets they oh, put them on? Oh yeah, and that's, that's this is what I'm, they do. Oh, you want to compete in a bikini contest? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to expend a shit ton of calories and I'm going to cut your your food intake way the fuck down and you're going to lose weight. No shit. Right. And then they come to us and they're like, uh, you know, I'm a hundred. How do I do another show ever again? Oh, I'm a 150 pound female. Uh, I'm, I, I, my coach told me to eat 300 grams of protein a day. Um, I'm, I'm doing an hour and a half of cardio every day plus an hour workout. And, uh, I can't barely eat any other macro because my calories have to be like at 1200 calories. And this is the shit that we're getting. Oh, and and I can't get leaner. I don't know why my body's not responding. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, we're going to have to do some damage control. Well, and this is why, and this is what I was, I was waiting for one. Just do more cardio. Us to have the program. That was moldable and changeable per person. So a bikini, a men's physique, a bodybuilder, any of them can do it with the ability to to mold it and flex it to their desires, what they're trying to do to their body, which is now Maps Black. That's there. The other thing, the other thing that we needed was a, a place somewhere where I can still help you and give you tips along the way in that process. Now you have the forum. You have a place now. Now that I, and I feel a hundred percent confident, I will take anybody's program out there that's coaching somebody for a show right now with me half talking to you every once in a blue moon, following that program, following a diet plan with me just checking in and letting you know, like, hey, let me know what you're doing and see where you're at. I can coach someone better than what I've seen. Half ass, yeah, half ass. Hardly ever talking to them. Them running, following through that program, following a good nutritional plan, and then me coming in and checking up where they're at every once in a, once in a while. Ten times better than any anybody anyone's doing well, right I'll now. Ma- I'll it's make crazy. A, I'll make a prediction right now. You're going to start to see more coaches start to go out and learn and try to change their approach in terms of program design. You're going to see a lot more of the trainers who know the science and actually know how to design routines, they're going to start to become up and become a little more popular. Watch. Mm-hmm. Because people are starting, you know, the wonderful thing about- uh, well, we hope yeah, People ask questions and guess what? You better have answers to their questions because we're going to help, try and help them get more and more informed mm-hmm. about their decisions, uh, whether or not they should compete. And the more informed they are, you know, like just just prepare yourself. You better do your due due diligence. I can't say that. Do 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 do. do. <laughs> you better do your due due diligence and, and and get educated. This this actually reminds me, and I felt why not? We may as well talk about this shit too. So on Sal's uh, Instagram the other day, somebody was kind of debating him back and forth, and I was late to the party. Uh, was debating him about a very <laughs> love those parties. I don't remember who very very famous trainer mm. in the bodybuilding oh, body yeah, world, yeah, yeah. and was talking about how great of a trainer he was. And Sal pretty much laughed, and I, you know mm-hmm. I think he took a little offense to it that it's all Sal did was just kind of chuckle at it because in Sal's eyes it's not even worth his breath to even talk about how weak sauce he is. <laughs> and you know this this guy was actually defending him, and, and you know had, had a decent argument. He has. You know these Mister Olympia. Look at his back record. Yeah, he's anything, looking right? at all yeah. the all the athletes that he has that are just super badass. They right. look awesome. And you know, like I said, I was late to the party when I got there, and I said, well, "Let me give you a little insight on how all this works." So, just because a coach or a team has all the Olympias or has all the first place winners or how these athletes with all these accolades, I don't mean shit. That doesn't mean shit. They, these coaches, they pick their athletes. Okay. I do it. I do it now. If I have someone that comes on and I don't feel like taking them, I don't take them. And if I was trying to build a business in there, it would, it would behoove me to not take the ones that I look at and go like, they have a physique. I can look at somebody before they ever hire me and go, he's going to look badass when I'm done with him, or I'm going to make them look a lot better than they've ever looked before, but they aren't going to win a show. Well, how many of these athletes have already started out going through with other coaches, and then once they got badass, then they're like, okay, you can come on my team now. That's exactly what happens. And your big-name coaches, your big-name teams. pretty awesome. They do that. Well, and the, aren't and the a most, lot of these coaches like some of the main sponsors to some of the shows? And then on top yes. of that, they're funding the shows. Yeah. So there's a lot of political <laughs> stuff that goes behind that. And a lot of people don't understand that. So don't be fooled because someone's got a team and they got the, all these these badass looking bikini girls or all these badass looking men's physique guys. Dude, you know how easy that would be if you, if you turn down all the people that don't have the... And let me tell you this too. A lot of those guys, because they make money by coaching everybody, they take the people that are have no potential but they don't rep those people they don't rep the ones that they rep the ones that look badass because but they look badass before they hired them they the kid comes to me and i look at him he's already got deltoids chest on him he's got great symmetry i'm like oh my god it's the same in pro sports and i mean i don't mean to put anybody specific on blast but there's i mean it's easy 
it's a lot easier to take the elite of the elite to do, you know, get them to a do a little amazing, bit better, amazing you know, things, right? yeah. even if you see a little tiny bit of progress, but they were already going to do that alone by just moving. So yeah, the reality is if you were to judge a trainer by how well they train, you would have to look at a lot of their clients. You'd have yes, to look and yes. see. You've trained and all these types, people, right? Different types. Really and, fat people, chronically ill people, exactly. people that that are dealing with battling with any sort of a disease or condition or, you know, major right, postural deviations, injuries. Like yeah, that's those you, are the all-star trainers. Yeah. A trainer that can, can overcome like uh, an insane amount of obstacles and, and, and do it the right way and in the healthy way and, and get them, you know, back in condition, all kinds of different people too they, yeah. they're they willing to take you know these things on and they know a lot over, about it and over then, training and starving somebody for two well 12 weeks does not take well, any fucking science well we, we need to i want to explain though i want to explain when when you have a trainer that's trained a wide variety of people and done well with a wide variety of people how that person is going to be a better trainer for let's say somebody who's got great genes or whatever the trainer who's trained a lot of people and has done well with a wide variety of people, everything from like Adam was saying, obese, injured to average, you know, to elite or whatever, is because that trainer has learned how to read the body and has learned how to program a program or programmed a routine around how the body adapts. They understand have a fundamental understanding of how to get the body to progress. Yeah. And that's why you want to have that. When you're looking at a coach who has five Mr. Olympias under him and has no other fucking you know experience behind that or has a big supplement company and sponsors all these places, um, you got to look and say, okay, well, you know, how well are the, is this person going to do with me? Um, I hate to tell you this, but if you're listening to, to this podcast, there's a 99.99999% chance you're not one of those high-level champion, you know, people in terms of your genes. You're average, but like I most still get people. A trophy, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're average, like most people, and so you need to be able to train uh, with proper programming to get the maximum results because you're not, you know, one of those, you know, point zero 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 one percent. So, in a program like Maps Aesthetic, uh, we'll do that for you, and you can find that at Mind Pump Media. You can also give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. And if you like this kind of information and you want some more of it, you can find me at Mind Pump Sal. You can find Adam at Mind Pump Adam. And you can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin. And you can find the Mind Pump Show at Mind Pump Radio. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. For more information about this show and to get valuable free resources from Sal, Adam, and Justin, visit us at www.mindpumpradio.com. Until next time, this is Mind Pump.